0: Well, we are continuing um, our study in the book of Romans, and many of you are new to our church. Y'all have been coming maybe in the last couple weeks. Maybe a lot of you came for the first time at Easter, and we took a couple weeks off, but we are actually studying the book of Romans. And just to let you guys know, we have uh, one of the things that our pastor is just passionate about is making sure that we teach our church through the Word of God, make sure that we're teaching the correct doctrine, not skipping around and just doing topics. And so we have been studying through Romans, and today we're going to be in Chapter 5 of Romans. But just to let you know, if you're new, um, Pastor has provided these. Uh, and, our, and our staff has provided these little books. It's a whole book of Romans. And there's notes in there where you can take notes and stuff. And if you're new, uh, we have these. They're free of charge. They're in our bookstore. You can get them out in the lobbies. You can pick one up and just follow along. We still have 11 chapters to go after today, so we'll be in Romans for a little while. But if you could pick that up, that would be great. Um, We're going to be starting in the book of Romans chapter 5. But since we took a couple weeks off, I'm going to kind of recap Uh, Really quick and real brief, what we've been learning the last uh, several weeks, really more than that, in the last chapter, four chapters of Romans. And what we see here is that in Romans chapter 1, Paul is speaking to an audience, and the audience he's speaking to is both the Gentiles and the Jews, And why that's important is because you have the Jews, which is God people, and they thought they were the religious elite. They thought maybe the word of God was only for them. But then Paul comes, he says, that is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles, which covers every single person in here today. And it means that the gospel and the good news and the word and these doctrines we're going to talk about and all of this stuff is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles, and it covers everybody. And then he proved that although the law, the the Ten Commandments, although the, the Old Testament law, was good and it was holy, that it cannot counteract the power of sin in all of our lives. And because of that, none of us could, could keep the law, none of us could do that, and so all of us are affected by sin. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and nobody can escape the wrath of God and can be right with God by their works and by doing a bunch of great things. It, what he's saying there is he's saying that every one of us are affected by sin, But the good news is what we celebrated the last two weeks, right? That Jesus Christ came in the flesh, lived a sinless life, and then he died a sinner's death. But not only he died, but he rose again, defeating death, hell and the grave. And because of Jesus, all of us can be saved. We can now be reconciled to God. And then in chapter four, what Pastor did a couple weeks ago was he showed us, and what Paul is doing here is he's saying, I'm gonna use the example of Abraham in the Old Testament, because since Jesus is the one that reconciles us to God, then what about all the people in the Old Testament? And Pastor did a wonderful job, and we used the and what Paul did in chapter four is he used Abraham and he said, even though Jesus wasn't wasn't here on earth, what he did was he said that Abraham's faith is what counted him as righteousness, faith in the one true God. And he was talking about Abraham's faith and the people of Old Testament. It was their faith that made them right with God. And then Jesus came on the scene, and his his, his sacrifice covered the sin of the past, the present, and the future. And that brings us right to chapter 5, which we're going to be in. So if you'll turn to your Bibles, it'll be on the screens as well if you don't have one. We'll be in chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we have reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, when Paul started this sentence, he starts the sentence with therefore. Now, this is a good rule of thumb that I've learned a long time ago, that whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to ask the question, what is the therefore Therefore. And what Paul is doing is he's getting ready to shift his point of view. He's getting ready to shift from talking about Abraham's faith that was counted to him as righteousness. And if you'll notice, he starts to say, this has become our faith. It's different to to know about other people's faith. But now Paul is getting ready to shift and say, now I want us to talk about this becoming our faith. This reminds me of an illustration that I used years ago uh, when I was telling somebody about uh, knowing the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And I use this illustration. Um, let's say that in 2000, the year 2000, Y2K, that's when we all thought the world was going to end, right? Um, but Y2K, 2000, I, I, I got saved. I went to a new college, a Christian college. And I saw this tall, beautiful, dark-haired Italian girl with green eyes. If some of you are getting real nervous, she's now my wife, okay? I'm um, <laughs> not talking about another woman. Um, but when I saw this woman, uh, her name was Beth. And, I, and let's say that I decided to say, you know what, I really want to know more about this girl. And so what I did, let's say that I go to her best friends, and uh, for some reason, um, they gave me her parents' contacts and her brothers, and I asked all these people, I said, hey, I want you to write down and meet with me for the next year, and I want you to tell me everything you know about Beth, right? First of all, that'd be a little creepy, okay? Uh, but, but let's say that I did that, and let's say that for some reason, they agreed to do it. And they wrote a dissertation, every one of them, and I talked with them, and I researched Beth, and, and they told me everything they know about her. They told me about their experience with her. They told me how she, how she reacted to certain circumstances, and she told me all about her. And at the end of that year, I compiled all this stuff, and I just, I knew a ton about Beth. I knew a ton about her. But it was not until, and I didn't do this, by the way, okay? I don't think I'm creepy. Uh, I just, illustration, Okay. But the difference is until I actually went and got up the guts to go and talk to her and actually have a conversation with her and then started dating her and then got engaged to her, you see where I'm going, and then we got married and lived together. Lord knows that we really start to know about somebody when we live with them, right? Then we had children together, then had careers together, and then got called into ministry together. And then fast forward 15 years later, I can honestly say that I don't just know about Beth, But I know her. She's my wife. It's different to know about somebody else's faith. It's different to read about God, but it's a whole different thing to be in a relationship with Him where you know Him. Does that make sense? And this is exactly what Paul is doing here. Paul is making the same point. Now, remember, when the Bible was written, it was a letter to the churches, it was a letter to to the church in Rome in this case. And there wasn't a bunch of chapters and verses in there. Those things were put in there later so we can easily reference it and find those things. And so really with Paul, he makes the shift really not even in chapter five when he says therefore. He actually references and switches in verses 22 through 25 that pastor covered, but I wanna reread it right quick because it's gonna help us to wrap our minds around what Paul is saying. In chapter four, verses 22 He says, that is why his faith, who is his? It's Abraham, right? We was talking about Abraham, using him as an example. That is why his faith counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written just for his sake alone, but for ours also. And then listen to all the, the language change. It's not his anymore and there, Then he says, it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our Justification. And so Paul makes a shift here. He says, Hey, I've told you, I've given you a bunch of doctrine, I've given you the gospel. We talked a lot about the Old Testament. And we, you know, in chapter one, we talked about how no one was without excuse. um, because even before Jesus, the world and, and nature, they all bear witness to Jesus. And he's saying, But now I want us to not talk about them, but I want us to see how it affects our lives today. And that's what Paul is doing here. And so when he shifts here, if you look at verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith. And what Paul is getting ready to do in the next 11 verses is he's about to expose four major, major doctrines of our faith. Four major theological truths. And I'm going to go through them real quick. They're going to be big words, but bear with me. We're going to try to make this palatable. Right there in verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, the first truth, the first doctrine that Paul is going ahead and he's creating a foundation for the rest of Romans, he says, I want to teach you guys about the doctrine of justification. Justification. What is justification? We've been talking about this the last. 10 or so weeks in the book of Romans, but justification means that moment. It's not a process, it's a moment when we finally surrender our lives and say we can't save ourselves. There's no work that we can do. We're not justified by our works. But justification means that point where we finally surrender and we say, Jesus, I need you. I'm in need of a savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead for my sin. And the minute that we believe Jesus justifies us because of his blood. We are justified. We are made right with God. In other words, righteous. So that's the first doctrine. And why is that so important? What are we justified from? The next doctrine he's going to talk about is the doctrine of condemnation or the theological truth of condemnation. Look down at verse 9. It says, Since therefore we have now been justified, that's that, that justification again, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And so what Paul is saying here is everybody, by the time we're born to the time that we're justified, he says, we are, before we're justified, we're under condemnation. All that word means, uh, the word cone, you know, and, and, and uh, I'm going to mess this up, but in Spanish, cone means with, right? Chili con carne, chili with meat, right? So, um, and so uh, he's saying, yes, Lord. So, the word condemnation means with damnation. It means that we're not justified with God, that we're living under the condemnation, the wrath of God, because we have not been reconciled with our sin. We've fallen short, and, and that is the doctrine of condemnation. We'll get a little bit more in depth in a minute. And then the next thing he says, if you look back at verse 2, it says, In which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory. What does he talk about? The hope of glory. This is a doctrine or a theological truth called glorification. Um, glorification. This means that when we die, unless Jesus comes back, when we die, that we will be given as believers in Christ our glorified bodies, which means that we'll have no more sickness, no more pain, we'll be reconciled, we'll be with Jesus forever, no more cancer, none of that stuff, that we're going to be glorified in our bodies. And then the last doctrinal truth, the last uh, theological truth that he says, look at verses 3 through 5. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, there's a process here. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out on our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here, the last doctrine that Paul's saying is he talks about a process that we call sanctification. Sanctification, now, let me pause for a minute. I just threw out four big words justification, condemnation, glorification, and sanctification. And some of you might be thinking, what in the world does this guy talk about? Where's Pastor Noe? All right. And so these are some big doctrinal theological words. And see, Noe, Pastor Noe can get away with this because he's just got so much swag. He can, say, he can say propitiation or tetelestai, and we're like, yeah. We're like, man, he's just, he's just got it, man. He can bring it. He, in all seriousness, he has an awesome anointing where he can take very complex theological things and he can make it, just make sense. And then you get the white round guy up here saying justify and sanctification and y'all like, I'm gonna pull out my Urban Spoon app and my phone and figure out where I'm gonna eat and glaze over. Um, So I'm gonna try my best uh, to be like Pastor Noe and make this where we can understand it. But with all joking aside, um, we have, as much as we have a God that just loves us, we have an enemy of our soul. Y'all all believe that, right? We have the enemy called the devil and Satan and his demons, and his goal is to destroy our lives. We are in a spiritual battle, whether we like it or not. We're in a spiritual battle. And what Paul is saying is he's saying this is so important for you to understand correct doctrine and right theology because this is actually how you fight the enemy in your life. I want you to look at something else um, that Paul wrote in another letter in first uh, no, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, the church in Corinth. And this is what Paul says about doctrine. And this is what he says. He says, For though we walk in the flesh or or in this world, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh or of this world, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, listen to this, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And this is why it is so important for us to understand theology And us not glaze over when we hear these big words. Because what Paul is saying here is he's saying, you're in a spiritual battle. And you need to understand the word of God. And you need to understand these important doctrines. So when the enemy comes and starts to say, you're not saved. You didn't really mean it. You can say, nope. Based on the word of God, I have been justified with Christ by believing in him. When the enemy starts to try to get you to feel like you're beat down and you're not worthy of being a child of God, you can say, nope, Romans 8, therefore there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. When you are going through pain and suffering and you're going through some stuff and he's saying, hey, all this is not even worth it. Why are you even living to be a Christian? when You're being persecuted. Is this even worth it? We can say, yep, we believe in the doctrine of glorification, that all of this is working for our good because we're going to be in our glorified bodies one day. And this is how we battle the enemy. That makes sense? This is how we battle the enemy. It's important for us to know that. And so what I'm going to do in a minute is I'm going to try to take these four big giant words. There's no way we can do a whole series on just these four, each word. I'm going to take these four words and try my best to make this a foundational piece where we can understand it, how it what it has to do with our life And it'll be a foundation for everything that we preach through for the next 11 chapters of Romans, okay? And so I want you to picture your life. They're going to throw a a graphic up there. And I want everybody to put your name right there, Perry's Life, right? Every one of us will experience these three things at least. There's been a time you were born, right? You're all here breathing, listening to me. There's a time that we're born, okay? There's a time that we're all going to die. It's inevitable. Um, unless Jesus comes back soon, but even if Jesus comes back, we're gonna die to our flesh, right? And then we're gonna spend an eternity somewhere, okay? We can all relate to that. Every single one of us, these are three points in our lives that you could take to the bank. We, we've been born, one day we're gonna die, and we're gonna spend an eternity uh, forever. So let's go over the first doctrine justification. The minute that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and this is so important for you to believe because we see people, even in our church and other churches we visit, we see people walk the aisle every week getting resaved, And that's because you really don't understand the doctrine of, ju- uh, of justification, that the minute you believe in Jesus Christ, the minute that you put your faith in him, you have been justified, that you are made right, you are saved from your past, present, and future sins. Okay, so why do I still wrestle with sin? We'll get there in a minute. But every one of us, right at that point in our life, whatever it is, if whether we're five years old or whether we're 59 years old or whether we're 99 years old, at that, that point when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been justified. You are made right with God. Make sense? So that is justification. Let's go to the next one. Justify from what? Condemnation. The next uh, doctrine, condemnation. Condemnation is that point, that line between when you were born and when you were justified. That is the very moment that you were justified. That means you are no longer under condemnation. We'll see this in Romans chapter 8 when we get there. But Paul says, therefore, there is no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And the sad part is that if somebody lives their entire life and they've never been justified with God, then that means that they live under the condemnation for all of eternity. And that's why at this church we believe that the gospel is so, such good news. It's not that you have to do all this work. It's not that you have to have perfect attendance at church. It's not that you have to do all that stuff. It's that, man, you just need to put your faith in Jesus and then make sure that you're not under the condemnation anymore, that you get to spend eternity with God. So that's condemnation. The next doctrine uh, we call it glorification, and that is when you die. If you've been justified with Christ, that means that when you die and for all eternity we're going to be in our glorified bodies. No more love handles, right? No more dentists. If you're a dentist in a room, I'm sorry, but I hate going to you, all right? Um, but seriously, no more sickness, no more pain, no more losing a loved one, no more, no more tears, no more depression, no more wanting, no more unfulfilled relationships. We're going to be made perfect and that is the hope of the glory of God, that one day when we die, we have this hope to look forward to, that we have purpose in our life now, that one day when we die, we're going to be glorified. Does that make sense? So justification, we're no longer under condemnation. And then one day when we die, we'll be glorified. That's the glorification. But this is the one I want to camp out on. It's the last doctrine. And we call this sanctification. And it is the line between when you are justified with Christ and when you are glorified in death with the B- There's this process of sanctification. I want you guys to read again verses three through five. Paul says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Lord has given you the Holy Spirit to help you now to live differently. And listen how different this is, how different and other this is from what the world tells us. Paul says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Who in the world rejoices in their sufferings? Have you ever seen that? In fact, we saw it this week um, Ron Estes and Renee Estes, they lost a son, a young son, uh, this past week, some of you know them, and we went to the memorial service, and they were hurting, and I mean, they lost a young son, his, his wife, they've only been married about a year and a half, lost her husband in a tragic wreck, uh, helicopter accident, and, and man, they were, they were going through a lot of pain, they missed their son, it hurt, right, we're not dismissing that, but we, this, we just saw something that was so Holy Spirit um, and just so other than what the world does. I've been to a lot of funerals. This funeral, and this, it wasn't even a funeral, it was a celebration of life. They were rejoicing that he's now in his glorified body. They were rejoicing that that he knew Jesus. They were rejoicing in the life that he lived. And they were doing exactly what Paul said that we can do. It seems impossible, but he says, now that we have been justified, now, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. And what he's saying here is that this process of sanctification is a process. See, many of us, we want to go straight from justification to glorification, right? And we, we deal with a lot of people that just gave their life to Christ. They didn't grow up in church. They don't know all these fancy words. They don't know that. And they give their lives to Christ, and they feel the weight of sin just lifted up their shoulders. You all know what I'm talking about if you know Christ. The weight's been lifted off. And they think that they're just going to be in this glorified body and never struggle with sin. And the next week, they struggle with sin and they're totally defeated. They don't understand this doctrine, and when and we work with them, we say, hey, your sins are forgiven, but now you're in this process. You've just entered into this process called sanctification. And that's just a fancy word that means that we're becoming more and more like Christ. That God is actually doing things in our lives through the trials, through the pain, through the relationships, all that stuff. He's actually using that in our life to make us more like Christ. Um, I, I brought two rocks. You're probably wondering this whole time what in the world he's doing with these rocks. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but I'll get to that in a minute. Rocks are real jagged. They're usually a part of a mountain. They get kind of chipped off. They fall down. And this is what a normal rock looks like. And there's a song that Beth, my wife, sings. Uh, I almost had her sing it, but then I would have been a total disaster and not been able to finish preaching because it's one of my favorite songs. And it's called River God. We don't believe in river gods. It's an it's allegory, okay? Um, but the song talks about this stone that's jagged, and it's rough, and it's, it doesn't have any shape to it. It's just a rugged kind of stone. And these stones a lot of times fall in these rivers. And over time, as the river rushes by, the cold river, nonstop river, rushing by, rushing by, and it's knocking off these rough edges. And what it's doing in the song that she sings is talking about that the river is like God in this sanctification process. And it's cold, and it hurts when our rough edges are Popped off and and it hurts, but as that river is rushing by and as life is happening, that over time, over years, it becomes a very smooth river stone. Like these weren't created like this, they didn't just appear round and smooth. These are usually rocks that were in water, that over time, the water is rushing by. And that's the process of sanctification. See, some of you, you've given your lives to Christ. And you're, and, 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 and you're going through trials, and you're going through pain, and you're going through this, and you're like, is this even worth it? I thought I got saved. I thought I didn't have to go through this. Well, the, the bad part is this process of sanctification means that we still live in a broken world. We still live in a world where there's sin. We still sin ourselves. Uh, we're no longer sinners by nature. We're children of God. But we still, uh, we still settle a lot of times with a sinful Um, But but all of us know that if we're growing in Christ, if we're being sanctified, God is making us a little more smooth. And eventually, we're gonna be in our glorified bodies. We're gonna be smooth in his hands. And what he's saying is, hey, I want you to understand what sanctification is because now when you go through a trial in your life, now you can have purpose to the trial. Now when there's pain in your life, there's actually purpose to it. See, when you're living under condemnation, When things happen in your life, there's no purpose. There's no purpose to your relationship, so you go from one relationship to the next. There's no purpose in your pain, so you're just doing everything you can to numb the pain and to get out of it. There's no purpose to even your relationships. There's no purpose to the the suffering, and so you do everything you can to numb that suffering. But when you're being sanctified, once you've been justified, God gives us purpose to everything we're going through. He even gives us purpose in our success. I remember when I was in college that I had everything that really the world told you you needed to have in order to be happy. I, had, I was popular. I was in college. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of money, but I was surrounded by very wealthy people. Um, I had a new car, had a pretty girlfriend, all that stuff, but I was still empty. And I was just going from the next high to the next high and then let down and to the next high and to the next high. And what I realized was I had no purpose to anything I was going through. But when I met Christ and when I gave my life to Christ, God started to give me purpose in everything I went through. I remember in the couple years into marriage, Beth and I had a really, really rough time in our marriage. And I remember, man, if we didn't have purpose, we wouldn't have made it. But we had purpose, we had a hope that God could bring us through things. We had, when I was uh, suffering with depression for about six months and anxiety through a cancer scare, man, there was purpose in it. God used that to mold me and chip me away and he used it so I can be a better minister to people that are going through those things. God uses our pain, he uses that thing, but it happens under sanctification. And I think there's some people that are in the room today and you're a believer and you know Jesus, And you're going through stuff in your life, and you're wondering, is this worth it? And I'm here to tell you today, because of the gospel, because of these doctrines, because of these theological truths, that you have purpose in everything you're going through. And you need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded when life is hard that God is using that to make you more and more like Jesus. He is making you more and more like Jesus. But some of you in here, you don't have this peace. You don't have this purpose. You don't have this thing that I'm talking about today. You're like, man, I'm going through stuff and there's no purpose to it. And I'm here to tell you today that it really is this simple. It really is. Like we think that we have to get right and come to church and dress a certain way and do all these things to be right with God. But the beauty of the gospel, Pastor Noe talks about this week after week. The beauty of the gospel is that we are not justified by our works and what we can do for God. He did all the work on the cross. He died for our sins And then he said, hey, all you have to do is believe. And when we believe, he not only saves us so we'll be glorified one day, but he saves us that we will have a life that is full of purpose. I love in John 10, 10, it says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give life, eternal life, but also life abundantly. That he wants to use our pain, our trials, our relationships, all that stuff. He really wants to use that in our lives. I love... um, 1 Thessalonians as well, he says, for this is the will of God. I hear so many people, especially college students, what's the will of God for my life? And this is what Paul says, because he wrote that letter too. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That God wants to sanctify you. He wants to use the pain in your life and all the stuff going on in your life, even the the rejoicing moments. He wants to use that. You build your faith. He wants to use that so you can become more and more like Christ. And so, Throw that graphic, oh, it's up there. So I don't know where you are here. You might um, have never been justified with the Lord, and you might want to do that today. And we're going to bow our heads, and I'm going to kind of share how you do that. And you might have a chance where you can just give your life to Christ, and that you can now have purpose to your life. Or you might be a believer in here, and you're saying, man, I'm going through it right now, and I don't understand why and i don't understand what god's doing i i I get what you're saying perry just sanctification that's great and all but it still hurts and it does but i promise you that god is going to use it in your life to make you more and more like him And he's going to use your pain and your suffering and your relationships and your victories and your success he's going to use that to see more and more people come to the saving knowledge so that more and more people will be in heaven with us one day